Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast. Coming to you from Frankston Big Four Holiday Park. We're on holidays. I'm here with my girlfriend and my girlfriend's daughter and also my girlfriend's mum. And, um, well, I'm recording. We've got a nice little um, cabin thing, you know, sleeps four people, cool little cabin. Um... But it's a bit quiet in there at the moment because it is 11pm and the little one is asleep. So I'm recording this in my car. <clears throat> um, Alright, what are we talking about here? Chapter 16, book 5, chapter 16. Rostov is going through a really tough time in his regiment. How do you think this will affect his character arc? Do you think his personality is going to be changed or matured as a result of his experiences, and we see Denisov argue, steal some food, fight with other men, and eventually being demoted. He does this for the sake of his men, who are starving of hunger. What do you think of his actions when keeping this in mind? How will Denisov's demotion affect Rostov's possible promotion? Do you think Denisov's demotion will mean a possible promotion for young Rostov? Um... So, that was a familiar name, wasn't it? And someone made a comment. Um, wait, where was it? Talionin. Four lost souls in a bowl said, I'd completely forgotten who Talionin was until I looked him up. He was that shit that stole Denisov's purse back in 1.2.4. That's the one, and it's the one that Rostov got in trouble for because he ran after him and accused him, and then there was a whole thing. It's that guy. Um, so there you go. It's a bit ironic, says Prince Kane, how after getting his father to pay his debt to Dolokhov, Rostov returns to his regiment and talks about how peaceful and simple regiment life is. Recent events, however, show that life doesn't stop for anyone, anywhere. Between his experiences with Denisov and Dolokhov, I think Rostov might finally start to mature more through trial by fire. Of course, Tolstoy has already demonstrated that these characters are just as flawed as we are and tend to go back on their promises cough Pierre so we can't say anything for sure you know I think Rostov's going to do well in the military he seems to feel so comfortable there more comfortable there than he does at home because of the regimented lifestyle you know because he knows what to do when to do it and if he does those things life will be good and it's as simple as that really when you're in the military I mean not that I'm saying that from experience but um, according to Rostov it is um, what chapter are we reading there? 16. So that means we're up to 17. Very cool. Um, and I think, you know, without even the whole Dolokhov being demoted thing, I think Rostov is, you know, on a good trajectory in his military career. Um, I think he'll do well. He seems like he'd do well. At least he's enjoying it. Um, so that's something. Poor old Rostov. <laughs> he's just such a great young, foolish young man. And I don't think he's stupid. I think he's just, you know, excitable is what I think he is. He's excitable. And he makes silly decisions. But I don't think he's necessarily dumb. Let's read chapter 17. Um, so I can go back into this cabin and go to sleep. 
in June, the Battle of Friedland was fought, in which the Pavlograds did not take part. And after that, an arm, ar- armistice was proclaimed. Rostov, who felt his friend's absence very much, having no news of him since he left and feeling very anxious about his wound and the progress of his affairs, took advantage of the armistice to get leave to visit Denisov in hospital. The hospital was in a small Prussian town that had been twice devastated by Russian and French troops. Because it was summer, when it is so beautiful out in the fields, the little town presented a particularly dismal appearance with its broken roofs and fences, its foul streets, tattered inhabitants, and the sick and drunken soldiers wandering about. The hospital was in a brick building, with some of the window frames and panes broken, and a courtyard surrounded by the remains of a wooden fence that had been pulled to pieces. Several bandaged soldiers with pale, swollen faces were sitting or walking about in the sunshine in the yard. Directly, Rostov entered the door. He was enveloped by a smell of putrefaction and hospital air. On the stairs, he met a Russian army doctor smoking a cigar. The doctor was followed by a Russian assistant. I can't tear myself to pieces, the doctor was saying. Come to Makar Alexievich in the evening. I shall be there. The assistant asked some further questions. Oh, do the best you can. Isn't it all the same? The doctor noticed Rostov coming upstairs. What do you want, sir? said the doctor. What do you want? The bullets haven't having spared you. Do you want to try typhus? This is a pest house, sir. How so? asked Rostov. Typhus, sir. It's death to go in. Only we two, Markeev and I, he pointed to the, the assistant, keep on here. Some five of us doctors have died in this place. When a new one comes, he's done for in a week, said the doctor with evident satisfaction. Prussian doctors have been invited here, but our allies don't like it at all. Rostov explained that he wanted to see Major Denisov of the Hussars, who was wounded. I don't know, I can't tell you, sir. Only think, I am alone in charge of three hospitals with more than 400 patients. It's well that a charitable Prussian lady sent us two pounds of coffee and some lint each month, or we would be lost, he he laughed. 400, sir, and they're always sending me fresh ones. There are 400, eh? he asked, turning to the assistant. The assistant looked fagged out. He was evidently vexed and impatient for the talkative doctor to go. Major Denisov, Rostov said again, he was wounded at Moliton. Dead, I fancy, eh, Markeev? queried the doctor in a tone of indifference. The assistant, however, did not confirm the doctor's words. Is he tall and with reddish hair? asked the doctor. Rostov described Denisov's appearance. There was one like that, said the doctor, as if pleased. That one's dead, I fancy. However, I'll look up our list. We had a list. Have you got it, Makiev? Makiev Alekhovich has the list, answered the assistant. But if you'll step into the officer's wards, you'll see for yourself, he added, turning to Rostov. Ah, you'd better not go, sir, said the doctor, or you may have to stay here yourself. But Rostov bowed himself away from the doctor and asked the assistant to show him the way. Only don't blame me, the doctor shouted up after him. Rostov and the assistant went into the dark corridor, the smell was so strong there that Rostov held his nose and had to pause and collect his strength before he could go on. A door opened to the right, and an emaciated, sallow man on crutches, barefoot and in underclothing, limped out, and leaning against the doorpost, looked 
with glittering envious eyes at those who were passing. Glancing in at the door, Rostov saw that the sick and wounded were lying on the floor on straw and overcoats. May I go in and look? What is there to see? said the assistant. But just as the assistant evidently did not want him to go in, Rostov entered the soldier's ward. The foul air, to which he had already begun to get used to in the corridor, was still stronger here. It was a little different, more pungent, and one felt that this was where it originated. In the long room, brightly lit up by its sun through large windows, the sick and wounded lay in two rows with their heads to the walls and leaving a passage in the middle. Most of them were unconscious and paid no attention to the newcomers. Those who were conscious raised themselves or lifted their thin yellow faces and all looked intently at Rostov with the same expression of hope, of relief, reproach and envy of another's health. Rostov went to the middle of the room and, looking through the open doors into the two adjoining rooms, saw the same thing there. He stood still, looking silently around. He had not at all expected such a sight. Just before him, almost across the middle of the passage, on the bare floor, lay a sick man, probably a Cossack, to judge by the cut of his hair. The man lay on his back with his huge arms and legs outstretched. His face was purple. His eyes were rolled back so that only the whites were seen, and on his bare legs and arms, which were still red, the veins stood out like cords. He was knocking the back of his head against the floor, hoarsely uttering some word, which he kept repeating. Rostov listened and made out the word. It was drink, drink, a drink. Rostov glanced around, looking for someone who would put this man back in his place and bring him water. He looks after, who looks after the sick here? he asked the assistant. Just then a commissariat soldier, a hospital orderly, came in from the next room, marching stiffly and drew up in front of Rostov. Good day, Your Honour, he shouted, rolling his eyes at Rostov and evidently mistaking him for one of the hospital authorities. Get him to his place and give him some water, said Rostov, pointing at the Cossack. Yes, Your Honour, the soldier replied complacently, and rolling his eyes, more than ever he drew himself up still straighter. He did not move. No, it's impossible to do anything here, thought Rostov, lowering his eyes, and he was going out, but became aware of an intense look fixed on him to the right, and he turned. Close to the corner, on an overcoat, sat an old, unshaven, grey-bearded soldier, as thin as a skeleton, with a stern, sallow face and eyes intently fixed on Rostov. The man's neighbour on his side whispered something to him, pointing at Rostov, who noticed that the old man wanted to speak to him. He drew nearer and saw that the old man had only one leg bent under him. The other had been amputated above the knee. His neighbour on the other side, who lay motionless some distance from him, with his head thrown back, was a young soldier with a snub nose. His pale waxen face was still freckled and his eyes were rolled back. Rostov looked at the young soldier and a cold chill ran down his back. Why, this one seems, he began, turning to the assistant. And how we've been begging, Your Honour, said the old soldier, his jaw quivering. He's been dead since morning. After all, we're men, not dogs. I'll send someone at once. He shall be taken away. Taken away at once, said the assistant hurriedly. Let us go, Your Honour. Yes, yes, let us go, said Rostov hastily, and lowering his eyes and shrinking, he tried to pass unnoticed between the rows of reproachful, envious eyes that were fixed upon him and went out of the room. Oh, all right, there we go, another chapter down. Oh, what, that's just hell on earth. Can you think of anywhere worse to be in all of human history than a room that's supposed to be a hospital, but just being in there makes you sicker 
and also there's no one there to actually treat you. And even if you do die, it'll be a day before anyone even notices that you've died. Oh my God. One guy just needed some water. <laughs> That's all he needed. And he couldn't even get it. Jesus. All right. Have your say over on the subreddit. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.